0: Welcome to Sharp Waves, a podcast from the International League Against Epilepsy. Our episodes cover epilepsy research, clinical care, career development, and issues in diagnosis and treatment from around the globe.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Alina from the Yes, Lee, bringing you another episode of the Sharp Waves podcast. And I can foresee that our today episode will be full of insight. It might sound trivial if I just say you that I'm interviewing a scientist and the interview will be wrapped around an ultra rare disorder. However, the scientist is also the parent of the child with that rare disorder who started an alliance to bring together families and researchers working on the topic. Here today with me is Lee Olivera. Welcome Louis, and Could you please briefly introduce yourself uh, to our audience and tell us a bit about what you do?
2: Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for for the invitation to to speak with you today. It's really a pleasure. I'm a scientist at heart, and and by training, my academic career has been mostly dedicated to research in neurodegenerative diseases, especially especially, uh, Parkinson's disease. Uh, I did my training in Portugal, and and then uh, some postdoctoral research. Uh, in the Max Planck Institute in Germany, and Columbia University in New York. Uh, And during the past five years or so, I've been uh, an associate director of research programs at the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where I oversee multiple projects and and initiatives to to develop biomarkers and novel treatments, uh, focus on on the main genetic targets uh, in Parkinson's disease. Uh, And these are highly collaborative projects with both academic institutions and and pharma. And this year, we published a a major research advancement in in Lancet Neurology reporting the first validated biomarker for Parkinson's disease, which notably come up years before the onset of the classical motor symptoms of the disease and and is transforming the way people now look forward to to a more biological definition of the disease, resulting in, in smarter clinical trials and enabling testing of prevention therapies. In parallel, and more recently with my partner in life, I would say, we started an organization called VATPA's Alliance to to support children and families diagnosed with developmental and epileptic encephalopathies caused by genetic mutations in the VATPA's genes. This has been something we're moving forward with immense dedication and, and a great deal of personal effort, but something we believe can have a big impact in the development of treatments that can improve the lives of the
1: affected children. Well, that's a fantastic work. You do a lot. And everything that you do or have been doing so far until very recently, in all of that, the ATPAs have not been Coming across that much, right? This is just something recent that he encountered. Could you share with us how did you meet that disorder and how did you come up with the overall concept of what it is and how it functions?
2: yeah absolutely i mean we we got to know this disorder after a a very challenging one and a half years of you know seeing our little boy failing to to meet multiple developmental milestones really at all levels, motor, cognitive, social, and with nothing that could really justify what what was happening, despite a battery of clinical, metabolic, neurological tests, including MRI, EEG. And it wasn't until earlier this year that we were able to, to do full exome sequencing and found the, the de novo mutation in the ATP6V0C, which is one of the gene's composing the VATP aces. You're right that things around this gene are are very recent. There's a couple of papers in the past two, three years describing that microdeletions in the chromosomal region encompassing the ATP6V0C gene resulted in a a pediatric neurological syndrome. But the, the first paper clearly associating variations of this gene as causing developmental and epileptic encephalopathies was published just September of last year, which was really shocking to me because we not only had the misfortune of, of having our baby carrying the novo genetic disease, but also that the research available is so recent that the condition is essentially unknown to to most researchers and, and medical professionals. And I mean, you asked me to to talk a bit of what VATBAs is, right? Or
1: Yeah, if you could briefly explain to us what that protein is and how it functions.
2: Yeah. I mean, VATPAs is a a large protein complex that is is expressed in all cells and highly expressed in the brain. And it plays a crucial role in regulating the acidic pH in the lysosomes and, and vesicles of the endolysosomal pathway, as well as synaptic vesicles. This complex is part of the membranes in these organelles. And it has one domain, the the V1 domain that faces the extra vesicular space and it generates energy by hydrolyzing ADP. And a second domain, the V0 domain that is embedded in the membrane and uses the energy generated by the V1 domain to transfer protons uh, inside the vesicles against its chemical gradient. And so it acidifies these organelles. Specifically, the V0C gene or the C subunit are part of the V0 domain and in the membrane and organize themselves as a rotor through which these protons are transferred. Now, why exactly mutations in this gene cause disease is not known, but we know that mutations in other genes that also encode for key subunits of the VATPAs cause a similar phenotype. And some examples, you know, are the V0A1 gene, which is the subunit actually responsible for transporting the proteins to the vesicles, or the the genes V1A and V1B2, which are involved in in the hydrolysis of the ATP that generates the energy to transport the proteins, or even mutations in other proteins that are not technically part of the VATPA's so-called associated proteins that stabilize the VATPA's complex as a whole. So overall, this tells us that failure of this large protein complex in regulating the pH in these intracellular structures lead to the development developmental and atletic uh, encephalopathy. In contrast with, let's say, genes involved in metabolic pathways where genetic mutations cause disruption of very well-defined pa- uh, pathways, in the case of VATPAs, it's really more about uh, a foundational role uh, for the overall cellular homeostasis. Um, You need an acidic pH uh, for, you know, these cellular structures to perform their function. You need a pH gradient to signal where certain proteins need to migrate and be functional. Uh, In synaptic vesicles, you need the low pH for the storage and accumulation of neurotransmitters inside the vesicles. And so when that is not well maintained, there's a series of cellular processes that we probably don't even fully appreciate at this point that are affected. You know, probably two of those processes that are more directly affected include synaptic activity and autophagy, which is a uh, major cellular mechanisms for uh, degradation and recycling of cellular materials. But I would say that are likely others that we're just beginning to to comprehend, such as aspects related with mitochondrial function and, and neuroinflammation. So I think we're just really scratching the surface here. And there's a lot to be done to, to accelerate new treatments.
1: Thank you so much for this introduction to the biology of the protein. So so clinical knowledge is also, I guess, not very well developed in this domain. And I think that it also gives some background for the creation of the Alliance, right? How did the overall idea of creating an organization come and what steps did it take to bring it to life?
2: Yeah, I mean, it came to life through really an array of personal emotions, you know, this diagnosis is is, is probably the biggest existential challenge uh, I've ever been in. You know, we were left with this diagnosis and that was pretty much it. Despite being followed in a medical center of excellence, you know, my son's doctors, pediatricians, geneticists, neurologists, and so on, he, he has a very large care team, I have never heard of VATPA disorders before. I would say there is essentially no care plan of action, uh, except the one that we as parents uh, are putting together. And also at the time, not knowing anyone in the world with this condition, uh, not finding a single resource uh, that could help us orient ourselves in, in this new reality, really left us with the anxiety of not understanding what the future might look like for our son, for us. So that was that was really hard. And on the other hand, through my professional experience working on the Michael J. Fox Foundation, I've seen firsthand the beautiful impact this organization has in the lives of patients with Parkinson's and the tremendous influence as a catalyst for new discoveries and development of novel therapies. And so it quickly became clear for us that creating an organization like VATPA's Alliance uh, would represent and serve a community that Was lacking this support and that is likely dealing with this condition with a lot of uncertainty. And I might risk saying, you know, walking a very lonely path. In addition, we thought that to accelerate potential treatments, it is critical to put the human condition and the patient voice at the front and center of the research, understanding the disease and its mechanisms start with the patients. And so connecting the patients with the researchers not only allows for more impactful research but it also underscores the urgency of, of getting the right answers. So with all of this, you know, me and my wife, who has been a life force and not only directly building the structure of what VATPA's Alliance is today, but also being the mother of our special son and sort of the family glue allowing having all of this to be possible. You know, we created a website called uh, VATPA's and social media presence on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it, to generate relevant information about the condition and create a platform for the patient community to finally connect and share experiences. And the response has been overwhelmingly positive. In the meantime, we started working with another mother of an affected child who is an incredible advocate to more formally expand our activities and We have already established important research collaborations with with clinicians and investigators in Spain, Ireland, Italy, and the U.S., and that's really exciting. This is very much in the beginning, but I think we're off to to a good start.
1: Yeah, that's a tremendous progress in a very short time, and I can just imagine how hard it is to start something like that, but I can also see how your person looks. Experience and experience of your child powers you on that path, and just congratulations. What do you see the main goals of the alliance, and what do you think is needed for reaching those goals?
2: Yeah, I mean we're we're small and very much in the beginning, but we have very ambitious goals and and a great deal of enthusiasm and, and energy to accomplish them. I can highlight three goals uh, just to keep myself on time. I mean. First, uh, we want to make sure that every family is empowered uh, with information uh, to discuss their case with their care teams, and and that we leverage each family's journey to better inform those care plans. I can give you one example: like all these children are dependent of various therapies to improve their quality of life, occupational therapies, speech therapies, physical therapies, etc. You know, currently there are no strategies that are tailored to these conditions. Children, especially in the first years of life, end up having some general approach that is or that very much depends on the therapist's experience with cases that have a different etiology than the VATPA's disorders. You know, there is poor characterization of what might be a, a limitation caused by this specific disease versus what might be more related to behavioral issues. There's no understanding of if and when assistive technology might be implemented and and for what. Uh, And more importantly, there is no shared knowledge of success stories that people might learn from. And so that collective learning from the community is an important and very tangible goal, in my opinion. And so, you know, that's one. And and by the way, a a similar example could be given in in relation to the medications used to manage the epileptic syndrome as well, which, you know differs a lot from case to case, and we don't we don't fully understand why. a second goal is we want to learn more about what the disease looks like and advance our knowledge of the underlying biology causing it. And again here you know things start with a patient uh, and we hope to be able to to start a patient registry, conduct uh, cross-sectional and longitudinal studies based on patient reported outcomes to better understand the natural history of the disease. Uh, And also coordinate the research community to establish collaborative efforts uh, to address the main gaps uh, we have on our understanding of the disease mechanisms, which I think is key. And and finally, the last but certainly the biggest biggest goal of all is to develop effective treatments. Um, These disorders are very well explained by genetics. And so there is an obvious, although challenging, uh, path for treatment with uh, gene therapy or uh, other modalities that modulate gene expression. But also given how recently reported these cases have been, I think there is value in investigating the the repurposing or repositioning of drugs developed for other neurological conditions uh, with particular emphasis on lysosomal storage disorders and compounds that might have a broad neuroprotective and anti-inflammatory mechanism of action. These might be beneficial, and we really don't want to leave any stone in terms.
1: Sounds indeed very ambitious, but it also sounds that you have a plan, and the goals are well defined, and this is the best first step to, to do to reach those goals. You have been mentioning community so many times. I wonder how big the community actually is, how many people with VATP related disorders are there and how do you bring them to your organization?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's it's hard to be accurate at this point, but I would say with an educated, you know, although not that much <laughs> guesstimate, that there are probably 40 to 50 people per VATPA gene, which for the total of the neurological conditions, so the total of the genes that cause neurological conditions, we could probably count between 150 to 200 patients in the world. So far, we have connected with about 30 to 35 families. These families that have connected with us have done so organically upon finding us through the resources we have put together online. And I feel this is likely to continue uh, as we create more relevant content. But I think As we expand, there are other opportunities to explore. One would be to to work with clinicians and and be present at relevant conferences to introduce ourselves and and share our mission uh, so that they can direct patients uh, to us. Another potentially very powerful way to to engage with more patients would be to to partner with larger and more uh, established organizations like the International League uh, Against Epilepsy, where most likely these families have found important information, even though that might not be necessarily directed and specific for their condition, you know, but to let the patient community know that we exist and are specifically working on the VATPA's conditions. So I think, you know, there are certainly more opportunities to, to explore and and bring the community together.
0: Registration is now open for the 15th European Epilepsy Congress, held September 7th through 11th in Rome, Italy. Join your colleagues for five days of teaching courses, platform sessions, symposia, career development sessions, and more. To receive a discount on registration fees, register by May 10th. Visit the ILAE website for more information or register directly at bit.ly slash I-L-A-E, Rome. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash I-L-A-E-R-O-M-E. All lowercase. Thanks for listening.
1: Besides bringing the community together, what are challenges that you face now running the organization? Anything that is an obstacle uh, that prevents you from uh, doing something meaningful. Is there anything on your mind?
2: I mean, the the main challenge so far has been lack of time. <laughs> uh, a genetic disease obviously doesn't happen in isolation. And so all the other components of the daily life, such as work, you know, household affairs, being present parents, et cetera, are as demanding as they were before, uh, or maybe even more. And so, you know, we're, we're a team of three so far, directly managing the various activities with some Haddock help from, from friends. As we connect with the community and, and put ourselves out there, I'm, I'm hoping that more people will share our vision and, and might be able to push alongside us uh, to make things uh, happen. So actually, let me take this opportunity to say to our listeners that if you have a relative or a friend who has a VATPA disorder, or if you simply feel inspired by what we're trying to accomplish here, and uh, the way we want to impact the lives of these children, uh, and and you believe you have a skill set that might help us get one more step forward, you know, please reach out, join us. Uh, we welcome all hearts and hands for this mission. But of course, you know, once we move more from from this ideation and strategy exercise into actually implement these ideas more formally. I think financially resources will be key. You know, these things are not cheap to accomplish and we will have to work our ways uh, to raise more awareness, fundraise, partner with other organizations and, you know, to execute this vision. So that will certainly be a a big challenge.
1: You mentioned that, of course, you keep being a parent and more more likely than not, it's even more challenging now as... Your son grows up, what is it is like to raise a child with a rare disorder and how has your child's diagnosis changed your life? And also how the creation of the alliance changed your vision of his of his disorder?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very difficult question. I think that time changes people's perspectives. And I've seen beautiful and fulfilling stories with diseases like this. To me, this diagnosis entered my life just a few months ago, and it is very recent. And if if I'm to be honest, you know, I, I cannot sugarcoat this. To me personally, you know, this was an horrendous tragedy met with a high level of resentfulness and, and sadness. You know, it, it is this notion that the very basic wish that your son or daughter get to have a fair start in the world uh, and all the dreams that it enables, you know, are now just impossible to attain. And that is one of those things that breaks you up in some deep fundamental level, you know, and, and being a scientist in the neurological disease space is also a double edged sword. If if it is true that I'm uniquely positioned to to understand the disease, make sense of all the new developments, you know be a highly valuable contributor con- contributor to my son's care, you know and obviously this of course on top of what a father can and should be, it also gives you the, the devastating realization that despite all the knowledge, all the training, all the network of experts, you know, I, I cannot fix the problem for him. And, and and you know, something that uh, I'll have to learn how to to live with. But I also must say that getting a smile or, or a laugh out of him every day completely melts my heart and shows me that despite all of the above, this doesn't have to be hell. There is a, a life worth living in all of this and, you know, together we'll live it. So, yeah, I guess that's where I am currently. That-
1: That's fantastic. Thank you so much for for all your efforts and also for sharing your stories. With regards to your son's care, you mentioned that it's a big team, it's a center of excellence, but still nobody knew about the disorder. Now you're an expert. How do you educate medical teams that care about your son, about his disorder, and what do you convey to them, how, and are they teachable overall?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like like I said before, you know, being a rare disease that most doctors have never heard of, my experience has been that most clinicians listen and are very willing to learn more, you know, within the limits of their capacity, you know, given that they, of course, see dozens of different patients every day. But I also think that in order to, ins- you know, to insert yourself in this dialogue, uh, I feel families need to be armed with valuable information that that empowers them and allows them to elevate their language and arguments essentially to to the level of the clinician or close to the level of the clinician. Otherwise they will not pay attention to to the right level, I feel. You know, my personal efforts are mostly focused on on making sure my son's clinicians are aware of the latest research developments. Uh, that might have uh, clinical relevance for my son Uh, ensure that all the doctors are communicating the right information to each other Uh, and and of course trying to have them engaging with the alliance actually that would be one take-home message for for any listener that might be dealing with a VATPAS disorder you know share our resources and contact with your, your doctors have them reach out to us we can certainly provide them with curated information But again, the benefits of building this community, you know, I feel will be long and lasting. We're a small community and each case is very valuable to understand the disease as a whole. So we try to be very active on social media. So if you find one of our platforms in in, or one of our pages in these multiple platforms and, you know, you simply write to us, we'll certainly respond. In our website, the vatpasalliance.org, you can also drop your email or write a direct message. We'll get back to you. We'll have you on our contact list and, you know, we'll support the best way possible with valuable information for, for your specific cases.
1: Is there anything else that you would like to mention to address to tell either the patients
2: or the clinicians to conclude. Um, yeah, I mean, my advice would be to get involved with organizations like the Vatpas Alliance, or you know, if you have other rare disease, and assuming that organizations dedicated to that specific disease are already established, you know, to engage with them in a fundamental level, make yourselves useful uh, to that community in a sense, they will become your extended family. And you'll end up knowing most of those people throughout their whole lives because the communities are small. And so you have that opportunity to really connect. And also remember that better care, better treatments, personalized interventions start with the patient. And and in my opinion, there is also no better way to channel the patient voice into the research world, then through organizations like the VATPA's Alliance and many others dedicated to to different rare diseases. Um, And and to clinicians, the advice is essentially the same. If you have patients with rare diseases, make an effort to actively engage with the relevant disease-specific organizations. The, The rare disease populations are small, often dispersed, and, and literally every case counts and informs each other. So uh, I think including that aspect in the clinical practice uh, would be very, very valuable for, for everyone.
1: So thank you so much for all your efforts and for talking with me today.
2: Absolutely. It has been my pleasure. And thank you so much for the invite and, and for supporting us as we get off the ground with this initiative that, as you said, hopefully will bring support to those in need. So.
0: Thanks for listening to Sharp Waves. Our content is meant for informational purposes only and not as medical or clinical advice. The International League Against Epilepsy is the world's preeminent association of health professionals and scientists working toward a world where no person's life is limited by epilepsy. Find more Sharp Waves episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at ilae.org.